Well, let's, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John for a while now, and we've been plowing hard and plowing deep. And so I thought as we come into this Christmas season, we kind of lighten things up a little bit. So we're going to take a break from John, and uh, let's talk this morning about how you might have a stress-less Christmas. Now, I can't promise you a stress-free Christmas, but I can offer you a stress-less Christmas And the Apostle Paul is going to help us with that in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 1. Therefore, if or since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father." Many people report that Christmas is one of the most stressful times of the year. In fact, there's just so much to do by December 24th, right? I mean, what are we, 13 days away from Christmas? I'm stressing you out, just reminding you that. Aren't I? You, got, you got less than two weeks now. There's just so much to do. We've got Christmas decorations, and then there's Christmas shopping, and then you've got the gift wrapping, and then there's the Christmas baking, and we have family gatherings, and we have Christmas parties and office parties and travel plans and family gatherings. I mean, you just got all that. And then on top of that, you have the financial stress. Man, we're spending money like we have money. How in the world are we going to afford all this stuff? You know, you got the financial stresses. And then you have family stresses. We'll get back to that in a minute. And then, and then for some families, there's a different kind of stress. Some of us have lost loved ones about this time of year. And the season is a reminder of that loss and that grief. Others have lost loved ones in this past year. And this will be our first Christmas without our loved one. And it just won't be the same, will it? And then there are others who are alone at Christmas. And to those who are alone, Christmas may well be the loneliest day of the year. Now, you add all that together, and you've got a recipe for stress. Well, this morning, let's look at how we might have a stress-less Christmas. Now, let me be the first to point out, the Apostle Paul here in Colossians 3, Paul is not talking about Christmas, and he's not talking about stress. That's not what this is about. The letter to the Colossians is written to a church in a place called Colossae, and Paul is dealing with issues in that church. 
And the overarching theme of this whole letter is the preeminence of Christ. That's what Paul's really talking about. The preeminence of Christ, that Christ is above all, before all, and beyond all. He is preeminent. And as Christ followers, he is to be preeminent in our own hearts, minds, and lives. He's to be before all, above all, and beyond all in our own lives. And when he is, there are going to be real-world implications in our lives. When Christ is preeminent in your life, that will determine how you act in church and how you treat brothers and sisters in Christ. That will impact how you act at home and, and relate to your family members. It will impact how you work at work and deal with coworkers. It will impact how you, are, how you conduct yourselves in the, in the community at large. So those are the implications of the preeminence of Christ. That's what Colossians 3 is really about. But this morning, let's, let's pull out some principles out of this chapter that will help us to maybe stress a little less this Christmas. So again, we're just kind of lightening things up a little bit. If you have your bulletin, there's a listening guide on the back panel. And uh, let me give you some, some keys or principles, whatever you want to call them, some steps to take and how you might have a stress-less Christmas. Not stress-free, but maybe less stressful. Number one, seek God. <laughs> seek God. Make time for him. Or as the cliche goes, make Christ, you know, keep Christ in Christmas. <laughs> seek him. Paul tells us, since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. I, I think it's, I would suggest it's sadly ironic that at this time of year, when presumably we are focusing more on Christ, celebrating the incarnation, we may actually end up focusing less on Christ. Because there's just so much stuff, there's just so much going on, so many things we, we want to do and need to do and are expected to do, and, and we almost lose sight of Christ. It's kind of like Thanksgiving, and you know, Thanksgiving, that one day of the year when we stop. I mean, you stop everything. You stop work, you stop school, we stop everything, so we can stop and give thanks to God. But I think if the truth were known, we don't probably thank him a whole lot more than we normally do, because you know, we might make an extra effort at the blessing, but we spend two days cooking and we get together and then we eat and then Friday's Black Friday shopping and Saturday is football day and, and, and we just lose sight. If that's true at Thanksgiving, it's 10 times more true at Christmas. It's just so easy to lose Christ in the midst of all the Christmas stuff. Well, here's a thought. Seek him. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Put Christ back in Christmas. Seek him. Make time for him. Notice what he says in verse 3. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I've been to a lot of funerals. I have never seen a stressed out corpse. Have you? I've seen them dressed out, but I've never seen them stressed out. Dead people have no stress. Have you ever noticed? That's your reality check. Dead people have no stress. Guess what? You've died. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's how you become a Christian. You die. You die to sin. You die to self. You die to this world. Paul says, I'm crucified to the world. The world was crucified to me. We die to self. You die to self-centeredness, selfishness, this self-sufficiency. You die, and then you are made alive in Christ. He is our life. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you set your mind on the things above, realizing that you're a walking dead man. You're alive in Christ. Now, that'll lower the stress levels a little bit. That's a, it's a whole different way of thinking. That'll change your Christmas. Here's the second key. Put on the Christian graces. 
put on the Christian graces. Move down to verse 8. Now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, having put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And verse 12, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So you have the image here of changing clothes, really. You take off the old, dirty clothes of your pre-Christian life. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. You, you take off the old clothes and you put on some fresh, clean, new clothes. That is the Christian graces. Kindness and compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience and forgiveness. Well, what does this have to do with Christmas stress? Well, many of us at Christmas time, we get together with family, parents, in-laws, children or grandchildren, siblings, cousins, you know, in-laws and outlaws. I mean, we get the whole thing, we get the band back together again. Sometimes that's a whole other kind of stress, isn't it? Now let's just talk about family for a minute. Okay. Can we be honest with each other? Say, yes, we're in church. We can be honest. Here's your reality check. Your family's weird. Your family is weird. You know what they say, you can pick your friends, but you, you're stuck with your relatives. <laughs> and your family's weird. Every family's a little weird. We all have our baggage. Every family has its own history. There are quirks and idiosyncrasies. There are weird family dynamics. I mean, every family's weird. It's like they say, you, you know, every family tree has some nuts in it. And if you think, Brother Jeff, my family tree doesn't have any nuts, <laughs> guess what? That means you're probably the nut. Everyone else is talking about, oh, yeah, I know her or him. Every family, we all have these, I mean, it's, it's just family life, isn't it? That's, the, that's families. Secondly, here's your reality check. Some of those folks ain't going to act right. When you get together at Christmas, whenever it is, whenever you get together, some of those folks, some of those quirks and idiosyncrasies in your family, they're just not going to act right. They can't help it. They're going to be who they are, and they're going to do what they do. Some of them, they're just going to be rude. It's what they do. Or, or demanding or selfish, or controlling, or whatever it is. That's just, that's just sometimes that's how they act, and, and you can't help it. And it's amazing how so many times some of those old family systems can get reactivated like that, just that quick. Um, you know, you can be grown and have grown children. I mean, you're a grown-up now, and yet you get the family together, and, and we go back to those childhood roles, and the agitator, I mean, is trying to get something started, saying something uh, uh, outrageous. Or there's the peacemaker, always trying to make peace and settle things down. Or, they're, or the fixer or the controller, trying to control everything and everyone in there. Or the withdrawer, one sitting in the corner saying, oh, please tell me when it's over. I just want to go home. You know, just, just it, it's amazing how, you know, they say you can't go home again. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> it's how it, how it works. Here's a third reality check. You can't control or fix other people. I'm just trying to help you. You can't control other people and you can't fix other people. And when you get together with the family, in-laws and outlaws and, and all the family nuts, they're going to do what they do and they're going to say what they're going to say. You can't control them. You can't fix them. And when you think you can or try to, you're just going to add more stress, isn't it? You're just going to make it worse. What do you do? You need the Christian graces. We're going to need a real good dose of compassion and kindness. 
and gentleness and humility and patience and forgiveness. That'll help you in these stressful situations. Number three, here's the third key Paul can give us. Share the love. Share the love. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love, and that's that word agape. You've heard that word many times. Agape, it's an others-centered love, an others-focused love. Your welfare is more important than my welfare. Your needs are more important than my needs. That's agape love. It's an others-centered love. So put on love. One of the reasons Christmas can be so frustrating for some of us or so disappointing for some of us is that we have unrealistic expectations of other people or even of the season. So here's a reality check. What do you expect? What do you expect? What are you expecting from this family gathering or this Christmas party or Christmas morning or the gift exchange? What do you expect? If you expect your family gathering to look like those old black and white Christian, uh, Christmas classic movies, you're going to be disappointed, aren't you? If you expect your family to look like a Hallmark special, you're probably going to be disappointed because it won't be perfect. It, it won't be perfect. The food won't be perfect. The people won't be perfect. Your kids won't be perfect. The gifts won't be perfect. Nothing's going to be perfect. Unrealistic expectations of people or of the seasons. It would change the whole picture if instead of those expectations, which are usually rooted in what I think and what I want and what I need, if you focus on others first. Others, what do they need? What are they looking for? How can I help them? What can I minister to them? How can I show love to them? That's a game changer. Um, share the love. Paul, uh, Peter said this in 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Keep fervent in your love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Again, Peter and Paul are not writing about Christmas. They're not writing about family gatherings at Christmas time. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the church. In the church, in the body of Christ, above all these things, put on love. It's the perfect bond of unity. In the church, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. In the church, in the congregation. But if that's true in the family of God at church, it can be true in your family at home as well at Christmas time. So put on love, the perfect bond of unity. That leads us to number four. Here's the fourth principle. Focus on togetherness. Focus on togetherness. Not stuff, not food, and not the past. Focus on togetherness. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Unity, togetherness. Again, Paul's talking about the church, but we can take this to the Christmas gathering as well. Put on love, the perfect bond of togetherness. Focus on the people you are with and being with them. As you get together in these Christmas gatherings, focus on the people you're with and being with them. That's, that's more important than the food, isn't it? It's more important than the food. Focus on the people you're with and actually being with them. That's more important than the gifts or the decorations or all, all that stuff. And being with those folks, being together and being with them is more important than the past. Now, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about the past a little bit. When we get together, it's always fun to talk about the past. Hey, you remember when? You remember when? And we like to visit the past. But here's the thing about the past. The past is a wonderful place to visit, but you can't live there. And as you get together with family, you can't, you can't change the past. You don't need to rehash the past. We can just visit the past. 
I came across a saying. I, I love this. I don't know who's original. I don't know who first said it, but I love this. Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Isn't that great? Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. You know what we do? We complain about the present and we reminisce about the good old days, don't we? We complain about the present. Man, this world is crazy and times are hard and it's tough and the world's nuts and it's, it wasn't like it just, you know, it used to be so much better. And remember the good old days and when it was just, and, and so we romanticized the past. It was so much better back then. We complained about the present. Well, you know what they used to do in the good old days? They complained about the present and reminisced about the good old days. Even back then, oh, this world is so hard and it's crazy and it was so much better back when. That's just, I mean, that's how it goes. You can't live in the past. Um, here's your reality check. Focusing on togetherness, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. We want to get together for Christmas with our friends or family. Don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, and by the way, it's all small stuff. And then focus on the big three. Life's big three. You know what they are. Faith, friends, and family. Your faith relationship with God, your family, and your friends. That's the stuff of life. And you want to make that the stuff of this Christmas season. Not, not, not all the other things. Number five, give peace a chance. <laughs> give peace a chance. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To, indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Paul says in Philippians 4 that the peace of Christ passes all understanding and guards our hearts. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Peace. The peace of Christ is, passes all understanding that guards our hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ is the absolute opposite of stress. When the peace of Christ rules in your hearts, you can't be stressed out. <laughs> it is the opposite. It's the antithesis to stress. Here's a reality check. As you go into this stressful Christmas season, here's a reality check. What's the worst thing that could happen? These are good perspective-giving questions. This will help you. What's the worst thing that could happen? And how likely is it to really happen? And then the next question is, again, a perspective-giving question. What's the worst thing that could happen? How likely is it to happen? And what will it matter? Say in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what difference will it make? Now, let's just play a little game. Let's just imagine it's Christmas dinner, and you burn the sweet potato casserole. Burned it to a crisp. It's inedible. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, you just ruined Christmas for everybody, didn't you? I mean, why even bother? I don't know why you didn't try. No. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, we won't have sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. Well, big deal. And, and, and what will it matter 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What will it matter? No, it won't matter at all. Nobody will remember. If we do remember, we'll laugh about it. You remember that time mom burnt the sweet potato casserole and it stunk up the whole house? We had to eat outside. Oh, yeah, I remember that. No fruit. See, what, it, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. What if, what's the worst thing that you can happen? You can't afford to buy them that gift that they really, 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 really want. You can't buy them the perfect Christmas gift, so you're going to have to get them something else instead that you can afford. What's the worst thing that can happen? 
They'll just take it back to the store and get what they really wanted in the first place. <laughs> or they'll, they'll put it in the yard sale this year instead of waiting till next year. What will it matter 20 years from now? Nobody's going to remember who gave what to whom 20 years from now. Again, just perspective. Just perspective. Um, give, give peace a chance. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Number six, give thanks. Give thanks. If you want to have a stress-less Christmas, be thankful. Enjoy the little things. Three times in three verses, verses 15, 16, and 17, three times Paul mentions giving thanks. In verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. In verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Then he says with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing with thankfulness. And then in verse 17, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Three times in three verses. When you let the peace of God rule in your heart, when the word of God richly dwells within you, then you'll be able to sing with thankfulness in your heart to God. They go together. So here's your reality check. Name that tune. What's your tune? What is your attitude? Your tune. <laughs> What's your attitude? What is your attitude? Are you singing with thankfulness in your heart to God? Or are you griping and complaining? Because you've got so much to do. And rah, 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 rah. Thankfulness. Being thankful. Along those lines, develop a sense of humor. Or get a sense of humor. That's your reality check. Get a sense of humor. Enjoy the little things. You know, the Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Doctors will tell you laughter is good for you. There are health benefits, psychological and physiological benefits that come with, with good laughing, a good belly laugh. It's good for you. Learn to laugh. There are a lot of things to laugh at, especially at Christmas. Just look at your family. There you go. Learn to laugh. So, I mean, you just put it all together. Learn how to enjoy the little things, be thankful, and laugh. And then number seven, do it for Jesus. Do it for Jesus. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now again, I'll say it. Paul's not writing about Christmas. This text is not about Christmas. It's not about stress. I'm, I'm pushing something on the text that's not there. But Paul is talking about the everyday Christian life. This isn't life on Christmas Day. This is your life every day of the week, every week of the month, and every month of the year. Everyday life. Everything you do in word or in deed, you ought to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You ought to do it in his spirit. You ought to do it for his glory. Whatever you do, every day of the year. Well, we can apply that to Christmas. Why don't you do Christmas for Jesus this year? Here's a reality check. Who's it for? All this stuff you're doing, all this stuff you're stressed out about, well, who's it for? We add so much unnecessary stress to our lives when we are so worried about what other people think. You're just adding stress. What are they thinking about me? What will they think about me and my party? What will they think about me and the food that I serve? What will they think about me as I give these gifts? What are they going to think about me? Well, then it's really about you, isn't it? Do it for Jesus. Celebrate Christmas in the spirit of Christ, in the name of Christ, and for the glory of Christ. Let's, let's do it for Jesus this year. You know what? That's a paradigm shift. That's a whole paradigm shift. And that goes well with that first key. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Your life is hidden with Christ in God. He is our life. Let's, let's actually put Christ in Christmas this year. It'll change everything. Well, not only if you do these things, not only will you have a less stressful Christmas, you may have the best Christmas ever. Now, all these things we've been talking about, they're predicated on a faith relationship with Christ. That's where it all starts. That's where it all ends. Do you have a faith relationship with Christ? What are we celebrating at Christmas? What's the whole meaning of it? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's why we celebrate. That's the good news of great joy. That's why we have Christmas. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's good news of great joy for people who need saving. We have a Savior. Folks, that's us. We need a saving. We need, we need a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every last one of us. We've all broken God's laws. We've transgressed his ways. We are guilty before a holy God. Our sins have separated us from God and condemned us to an eternity apart from him. We desperately need a Savior. Well, here's some good news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Jesus Christ. He left the glories of heaven. He was born of a virgin and laid in a manger he was crucified on a cross. He was raised from a tomb. And now he offers you the gift of eternal life. If you'll repent and believe on him, he'll forgive your sins, save your soul, and give you his life. You can have eternal life. Talk about the greatest Christmas gift ever. To receive by faith his gift of eternal life, the gift of himself. Have you ever been saved? Are you a child of God? Do you have a faith relationship with him that shapes and defines your entire life? If not, I invite you to come. And this morning, in a moment, we'll stand up and sing our hymn of decision. I invite you to come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved, however you want to say it. And we'd love to pray with you, have a private conversation with you, pray with you if you'd like to. But you can leave here today, a child of God, knowing that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. We invite you to come. Maybe there's some other decision you need to make for Christ. Maybe, maybe to join this church. If God has brought you here, oh, man, we'd love to have you. You come forward and say, we want to join the church, and we'll just take it from there. Perhaps you need to follow him in baptism, as one did in the, in the earlier service. We could talk about that, what that means and what that looks like. Maybe you need to pray with somebody today. We would love to pray with you. But whatever God might be saying to you, we invite you to come as we, as we sing. Let's stand together quietly, reverently, and prayerfully. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. We thank you for the truth of Christmas. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord, we thank you for that. God, I pray for the one who's never been saved. I pray that you bring them to the cross, even now, even today, and that today would be that day of salvation and now the time that they would say yes to Jesus Christ. Just take charge of this time of decision. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.